If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swantoski. I'm the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. All right, this is episode seven of season nine on the Trout Bitten Podcast. And we've spent two of the last three episodes deep into the weeds of nymphing tactics. Those were technical discussions where we attempted to go a little further down the line than we have before into the specifics, into the nuances of the tight line tactics that we all love so much. But tonight, it's time to break away from all of that. We want to think, talk, and tell stories about our favorite rivers. We'll share some of our history with these places and discuss what connects us to these moving waters. Some of our favorite rivers meander and roll through stunning scenery and enchanted tracts of wilderness. Because as most trout fishermen quickly realize, the pursuit of wild trout especially will take you into some of the most beautiful valleys on earth. But some of our other favorite rivers run through towns or behind old factories. Maybe they're paralleled by a highway or narrowly channeled by railroad tracks on either side. These places can be just as special, just as meaningful and treasured for what they hold, for what they teach. All of these favorite rivers have made an impact on who we are as a person, not just as an angler. Because for so many fishermen, a home water is precisely that. It's a home, a place to rest, a place to seek comfort and rejuvenation. These rivers are places to share with those we love or to seek an adventure alone. Our favorite rivers are as integral to our experience as the rods, leaders, lines, and tactics. They define our fishing, and they become part of our lives, too. So let's get to all of that in a moment. But first, let's bring in the Trout and guys to answer the question that kind of brought this whole episode topic to the forefront in the first place. This one comes from Lisa Elron in California. Austin Dando, here he is. 
Will you read this question, bud? For sure. All right. So Lisa says, hey, Troutbitten, we love your podcast out here, and I frequently share your articles with my friends. I know the way that people tend to fish for trout is very regional. I was wondering this. Do you think the way you go about catching trout applies everywhere, or does it mostly apply to eastern waters with your wild brown trout? Also, we'd love to hear a podcast on taking pictures while on the water. Choppin puts out some amazing photography, and it would be cool to hear some tips. Whether you use this question or not, thanks for Choppin. and keep it up. We're listening. Thanks very much, Lisa. That's really nice. Hey, that's cool. Yeah. I'll first say, uh, next week, we're going to talk uh, camera stuff. Josh and I uh, have been talking about that for a while. I'm not exactly sure what, our, what we'll try to cover there, because it's a big topic. We all carry cameras on the water. And uh, yeah, I've gotten that question from more than just Lisa. Like, hey, how do you take those photos? <laughs> you know, what's the best way to transport gear on the water and uh, to take some fish selfies, as we like to call them? Yeah. Yeah. So Lisa's question, Grope, do you want to, <laughs> I feel like you should lead us off here. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question. And I Here's would Matt answer, oh, am I good? Am I yeah, lying? I'm just introducing you. you. Oh, thanks, yep. buddy. You're so People good. People should know who you are. We're feeling good, right? We're feeling good. <laughs> it's a nice hat. It looks Steelers good. won. Looks yeah, sharp. Let's go. Steelers. Um, I think the tactics you learn in your regional waters hmm. are effective throughout. And I obviously have experience um, with that, having spent most of my life in Pennsylvania and then moving to Montana. Yeah, um, pretty different. But I think you, you know, regionally, all, all the waters don't fish the same. Like, no. you know, you guys have a lot of really good water there. And I would yeah. say um, like your general tactics you take to all those waters, but each little stream has a little nuance that you, you yeah. know, you do a little bit different. Right. And so mm-hmm. you always go to these places with an open mind. You have a core set of skills that yeah. I think translate to all the waterways you fish. And then you have to be open-minded that it's, you know, every waterway is a little different. They carry different insects and bugs and you know different trout populations where she mentions wild brown trout and if you don't have wild brown trout you need to be mindful of that because the, that those different fish species do act different than yeah. than brown trout and so that's my answer my best try to answer her question i like it totally yeah i think it's a lot of it i've fished east and west coast and a little bit in the midwest but I would say that the tactics are very much overlapping in terms of what can work, but obviously patterns are going to differ. Um, the type of waterway in terms of the size of it may change a lot. And, you know, out here in the East where we live, we have a lot of our limestone kind of cold spring streams. You might fish a lot of tailwaters out West and, you know, the, all those things can impact the type of prey opportunities that the mm, trout yeah. have and how the, the nuance of the water temperatures may change feeding windows and things like that. But as far as like tight line tactics, contact nymphing and the monorig, all those things are, are certainly things that can be used anywhere in the country. Right on. I agree, Trevor. I think, I think what it might come down to is the mechanics of the fly rod and the presentation and the drift does not vary from east to west coast, in my opinion. Hmm, A good drag-free drift is going to catch trout. It is what it is. Well, in the west, as it does in the east. Uh, But as Trevor just mentioned, your flies and 
specific patterns may vary uh, greatly at some points, but the general baseline of how to deliver a fly and present it, I don't think varies a whole lot. But the fish do. And Matt, you were kind of saying that. Fish are more forgiving in some regions. Absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I will be the first to admit that the rainbow trout is just more willing um, to eat. They're less susceptible to, you know, weather conditions from my experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're easier to catch, I think. Yeah, um, yeah that's fair. And, and so, yeah. you know, it's different when you mix the species when, in a wild setting. Right, mm-hmm. not talking yeah. art. And look, yeah, you can catch stockfish on some wild brown trout streams, you know, and you can kind of predict, right? When you got freshly stocked fish, I'm not going to say a wild rainbow trout's like a freshly stocked fish, but they provide a different uh, source of entertainment. Um, and you, you, you might know, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that's a definitely a key, and they they definitely once they become natural in their environment, from my experience, they definitely tend to reside in different water structures than brown trout typically do. I always tell people you have to be careful what you learn. The fish you're fishing for, the region you're in, again, trout are more forgiving in some places. They're more eager in some places. This region definitely holds some of the pickiest trout maybe in the world. Mm, Yeah. I just said definitely and maybe. (laughs) But we have Somewhere between there. I have people tell me certainly that sometimes certainly sometimes maybe who knows <laughs> <laughs> i try to be careful about that but it's it's a fact they're tough they're tough here but i always say they teach you the right things we know what they want most times it's a very natural presentation i say you either need to be trying to convince the trout or make them curious that's two very different things and around here we usually need to convince them like, hey, this is something you usually eat. This looks just like what you, you were eating yesterday. Go ahead, eat it. And there are other places where you can, you can convince them. If you go north of here, again, just 50 miles, not even that, 30 miles, you're going to get into a different region with different trout and they will eat presentations sometimes more. They're more of that, hey, curious presentation. They're like, hey, what's that? Why is, that, why is it moving that way? Let me eat that. Let me test that. Our trout don't do that very much. And so whatever, you need to, do, back to Lisa's question, really, before we get off on a whole different podcast topic. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. Um, the things that we talk about transfer across the world, across the country. I say absolutely yes. Because if you learn on the toughest trout, if you learn on some of the most picky trout that you can find in your region and in this region, then that will translate. Now you have the ability to give them very natural and let's say convincing presentations. And then if you want, you can say, okay, let me actually, let me actually move that fly across seams. Forget about the dead drift. Let me animate it out of that dead drift on purpose. Yeah. Once you have that baseline of like pure natural drift, then you can come out of it. But it is very hard to kind of Oh, your baseline is like, well, you know, it's an okay drift. It's pretty good. It's hard to go from that, you know, the other way. Um, Trout are different, man. I mean, trout, especially the pickiest ones, we know what they want. They want a dead drift. And that's, that's what makes a trout unique, in my opinion. It's what they eat and how they eat it. And for the most part, 
They want to dead drift. Yeah, they eat streamers. That's great. We love fishing streamers, you know? And occasionally you skitter your dry fly and things like that. But for the most part, I think what makes trout fishing unique is that they so often want that just real natural presentation on a natural food form like that, which is pretty small. And then you cannot cross lanes. You cannot skitter it across the top and, and get much forgiveness, let's say. They, they got to be convinced. Yeah, good stuff. You can kind of take it anywhere then, is what I'm saying. As fly anglers and tires, we understand the value of having the right tool for the job. AvidMax.com offers over 20,000 products and the knowledge to help you find the right tool for your job, whether that be at the tying bench or on the water. Listeners of the Trout Pitten Podcast receive a special one-time discount code at avidmax.com. Enter the code TB10 at checkout on full-priced items to save 10% off your order. Orders over $25 ship for free, so you can put more gas in your tank or beer in your cooler. For all things fly fishing and tying, elevate your game with AvidMax. For over a decade, Smith Creek's high-quality fly fishing accessories have helped anglers just like you keep your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. Their award-winning Rod Clip Plus now has two ways to attach it to your vest or pack, making it easier to tie a fly, change a hook, or release your catch. All Smith Creek products are built guide tough, using rugged materials, and backed by their strong commitment to customer service. This fall, Smith Creek is introducing even more new products, so keep checking their website at smithcreek.co for more information and special offers from now through Christmas. All right, guys, let's get to it. Let's talk about some of our favorite rivers. What makes these places that we fish so often special? And maybe you've only fished them a couple of times. I don't know. Let's talk about some of our favorite places. What about these rivers calls to you? How have they shaped you as a fisherman? What stories can you tell about your best rivers? But before we get going, let me first mention that we won't use river names tonight. And if we do, accidentally, I'll bleep them out. Trout Pit and regulars already understand our longstanding policy. Nine years ago, when I started Trout Pit, I made the decision not to name river names. I didn't then, and I won't do it now. We won't do it. Um, we did a full podcast on how spot burning does no good for anyone. And I always say that we keep these river names unspoken, not for ourselves as much as for everyone else, for the whole community. Because every river, every piece of water out there is somebody's favorite spot. And it doesn't need the extra exposure that name dropping will give it. But if you talk about a river tonight, and you're pretty sure you know where it is, because maybe you're from around here or you're from out Matt's way, like that's great. You probably love it the same way as we do. And good for you. But that's not spot burning. That's just the simple shared experience and knowledge of a river. It's as if we had the same friend in common and you could easily recognize her traits and characteristics. Yeah, very nice. So then, as anglers, we are built around the waters that we fish. And where we fish might be the fundamental factor that shapes our fishing life. All right, what can you share about these places, guys? Tell us about your favorite waters. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think before I would dive into what makes the river my favorite to fish as far as physical characteristics go, right? I think that's 
half of this is the physical characteristics, the type okay. of water, mm-hmm. um, how often I'm able to fish it, you know, the scenery, yeah. uh, you know, I think memories for me yeah. are big and as I mentioned before, have moved around a little bit. Right. And I had yeah. three prim- primary places that I've lived. Um, yeah. I spent a good bit of time up in your area, uh, yep. where you guys are at now. And, uh, you know, what makes those rivers some of my favorite and one in particular is just the memories and the time I spent yeah. on those waters with loved ones. Um, you know, that alone, you know, and I, I, one in particular that you guys fish often, yeah. you know, it's just f- memories of camping trips and, you know, time spent with my dad and right. uh, uh, on the, on the banks and, and watching insane hmm. insects emerge at night. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and all, it gives me tingles thinking about it, right? Because yeah. I spent mm-hmm. the better half of my youth on those banks. And that time when you're a young, you know, I was in late teens, early 20s, yeah. um, into my late 20s. Spent, I spent time, that a lot of time on the banks of those rivers. You know, and that at that that time in your life, man, you don't realize it, but you only no. get it once, right? Yeah, you yeah. only have the time where your brothers are young and you don't have commitments from, you hmm. know, wives, not that that's a bad thing, or kids of your own, you know, but you, you're with, you know, for me, it was time with my dad and mm-hmm. my brothers and no distractions, but us, right? The boys on the river. And I would look forward to that. And, and to this day, you know, that, that alone takes that river up to the top of my list and yeah. nothing, you know, other rivers for other reasons will, will come close to that, but I'll never get that time back with, with my dad, right? My dad passed away, you know, right. and, and, um, yeah. so that, that, that for me, those memories are, are what, what makes, you know, that river in particular, even though it blows out a lot, my favorite. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about right? I'm talking about, yeah, for me, just because we camped there, man. Mm-hmm. Good choice. For 14 days. I mean, you did that for 10 years, mm-hmm. 14 days, 10 That's years. Amazing. Dom, you know, you still do oh, it, yeah. right? Right, You right. know, With my dad. And so, yep. yeah, and you, you just, there's so, you never get that intimate bonding. No TV, no cell phone. You don't get right. service up there. Right. It's, it's we a camped blessing for a while. Service. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we tent camped for a while, mm-hmm. right? And we'd ride our bikes. I mean, that's... I, Learned yep. all the, I mean, I still can think of all the pockets and that every mm-hmm. island braid. And I'm sure they've changed a little bit through the years, but the log, you know, I can visualize all <laughs> that stuff, right? Yeah. The, the the numerous rattlesnakes I've almost mm-hmm. stepped on back there and black bears at night, you know, getting into the garbage cans along the railroad <laughs> path. And I mean, I could go <laughs> on and on, right? And, and, and yeah. there's rivers out here I love and I'll get into them for different reasons. But I, you know, I'm, I don't have, you know, my brothers come out, right. But my dad, dad was able to come out here once. Right. And so I I just don't have those types of memories attached to these rivers out here. So not to get too deep, I suppose, about it. So your dad's gone. Yep. And you could go to his grave site. Yep. But perhaps going to these places on that river or even a better way to connect and sure. to remember 
and to get back to your dad yeah. that way. That's no, how I sure. feel about these places. We do not forget those memories. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah. Whether it's somebody who's gone or Austin, you and I, the places that we've fished on that same river. Mm-hmm. Sure. They're there. Those places are there, and they yep. feel yeah. like they're, they are yours. I think that's one of the coolest things about a river. And hopefully, most listeners out there have places like this where they're not overrun with anglers. Like every day, you know, they're getting 10 anglers. That's a different experience. Hopefully, most people out there have these places where you go, yep, that's, that's kind of my spot. Sure. Yeah, those yeah. are special. Yep. Thanks for sharing that, Matt. That's, yeah. that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you answered the question in like, all the different dynamics and aspects that I was trying to think about it in, because I was trying to think, you know, what makes my favorite river. And I think it's really hard for it to be centered on just the fishing experience, right? Like it, or how successful you are on a particular waterway. It's so much more than that, whether it comes back to the scenery or the experience of fishing on that particular waterway or the memories you've had there. And I think, I I would have a lot of trouble picking one favorite. Oh no, you don't need river, to pick right? one. Right? Yeah, and yeah. well, yeah, for sure. Well, and even it's just fun to kind of just think about, you know, what it. I know what aspects or what attributes would I even draw out to pick from? And having grown up in a small town in Pennsylvania, now Allegheny River, I think there's some waterways we fish that run through small towns in Pennsylvania that have yeah. kind of still an industrial feel. And th- okay. I just, there's something about those. I think that will always grab something in me that just feels like home and mm. feels like what mm-hmm. I'm used to. And I don't know, there's something in the midst of hmm. kind of the depressing sometimes nature of small towns in Pennsylvania. There's yeah. just like, that was home and and it feels comfortable yeah. and it feels like what I'm used to. And I kind of crave that and seek that out. Um, and then the f- complete flip opposite, um, the most isolated, the most away from people where you won't see anyone, you know, if you fish all day long, most days out of the year, I think I really appreciate the solitude and, and the isolation mm-hmm. and just what that offers in terms of the balance it can mm-hmm. give our busy lives with so many touch points and I, I, I feel somewhat inundated day in and day out with my job yeah. and with having yeah. three little kids and just, you know, there's just, mm-hmm. there's just a lot coming at you every day. And so it's really hard to match the experience of being out on one of those real small streams and just, just feeling the therapeutic nature of, of what that is. So I guess I, I just see this in so many cool ways. Yeah. The blue lines are a good point. Hmm. following up on what you said there it's the it's the solitude for me that i'm so often craving yeah and in the wild experiences which often go hand in hand Hmm. you know the closer you get to the parking lot and the easy access the more people you're going to have and you do get like i said in the intro like there's two railroad tracks you know sandwich and you and or a a road right next to it and those are okay things Mm -hmm. that could be fine but yeah, it's that solitude that I, I crave the most, Trevor. And those blue lines, those small streams, really mm. almost guarantee you that. And that's cool. Mm. I think, too, um, the, maybe the first waters, at least for myself, that I remember fishing. Uh, like, I grew up in southeast Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and there's very, very little 
uh, wild trout water, mostly stocked. But I grew up fishing for, uh, you know, smallmouth and panfish in streams that are fairly uh, scenic. You know, they're different than here. They would wind through farms and valleys, and they had a lot of history connected to them. You know, I, yeah. I waded waters that George Washington and his rebel patriots would have crossed and, and fought alongside. And that was always such a cool thing. And nice. that added this romanticism to the whole uh, experience. But even though those waters, they're not like amazing fisheries by any means, hmm. they hold a, a sort of origin story in my heart for, for the cool. sport of fishing and hmm. fly fishing too. Hmm. Uh, but just fishing in general always draws me back. That's kind of neat. It's pretty cool, man. That is. I don't know that I've thought about it that way so much about the history of the location. I think about my own history. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not common <laughs> sure. you know my area was sort of unique in that aspect you could right. walk by old bridges that soldiers mm-hmm. built to cross over the river or things like that that mm-hmm. you know they're not they're not around many places but it's uh it's so extraordinary to me i was just That's gonna cool. piggyback on that austin mm-hmm. not the same historical significance but i feel that in the yellowstone area in the park oh, yeah. sure yeah. when i go sure and and i'm just sitting in those waters man and you got the thermal features and the geysers mm-hmm. on the bank yeah and there's that right you know it's just pretty cool i don't even yeah, care if i catch a and, fish like mm-hmm. it's significant for different reasons and and boy that goes up the list out yeah. here right I, yeah. I have different tiers i got my home water that will always be my home water which is pennsylvania right and right. then now's my you know newer home water out out here in montana yeah and and those those significant historic odd it's an oddity to me growing up in Pennsylvania being in a river with thermal features and wild bison <laughs> cross sure. you know it's mm-hmm. just totally neat, wild you know yeah. and and I need to experience that a, a couple times every year just you know and it just puts a smile on your face <laughs> it does yeah. love it Austin about the history yeah that is neat um I can think of one of my favorite small streams Every time that I fish up, it's about a mile and a half from where I park. And I'm, whatever, I'm fishing small streams pretty fast, usually with a dry fly and just hitting all the, you know, kind of cherry picking on my Mm -hmm. way up, all the good spots. And there, I assume it's like a logging community. There are some um, remnants of all of that. There there are foundations. You guys, I'm sure, have run across all this kind of thing. And there's some tram roads that you're like, yeah, that was probably a logging road. Um, old forges and things like that, probably. Right, right. And that's the kind of history that I, I suppose, frequently run into. It, that does change things. It makes you feel it deeper. You go, man, this is bigger than me. Yeah, And right. That's really neat. I had a book on hiking, uh, central Pennsylvania area. And I kind of used that to not only hike, but to get into some neat kind of out of the way spots for fishing yeah and and then within that hiking book they had stories about the history of that area and that stays with you really cool kind of like the the history that you that you have with yourself with your family oh i fished here i fished here with my brother with my dad right just fished here 50 times by myself (laughs) you know it's ah there is a deeper history that's neat when that can kind of come in and that uh just widens the whole experience i suppose absolutely it's cool we'll jump into some physical characteristics we ready for that oh yeah 
So for me, you know, my favorite rivers definitely consist of riffly yeah. water. You want it to be moving. With boulders. Same here. Yeah, I mean that, What you know, if I can break down my favorite stream I was talking about in central PA and those sections that got the riffles and are harder to wade. Yeah. Are my favorite. And and so out here, you know, whether it's out here or back home, that's what I like. I I need a river with that. Yeah. Call it some guts, right? You gotta, Mm. it knocks (laughs) the the hardy out. Right. I mean, and, and, and and it (laughs) takes guts to wade it. And and I just love getting in that, that hefty water with fast current and nymphing. And, and I love to, tight line nymph that stuff mm-hmm. sure will i throw a dry fly on absolutely but my favorite waters need to consist of that technical current um hard to wade uh, that that for me that's that's something any river that has that would be a, a favorite river of mine mm-hmm. yeah i like that a lot i like i like to have some depth variation too i like mm-hmm. something that's not homogenous the entire stretch but i like to have some deeper runs and um, slots and and even some bank water. It's just fun to have, you know, like the more intricate the stream bed, I feel like the mm. more of a puzzle that river is to kind of unpack oh, over yeah. years. I like rivers with a lot of bends in them. Yeah, yeah. And often like extreme bends sometimes uh, that create those either extreme characteristics of, of depth changes or sometimes big rock slides that kind of emerge out of the water <laughs> into the, yeah, right. the side of the mountain or even the ability just to get away from the sun that they provide. I mm. love bends. <laughs> cool. That river we're talking about has all of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. like you, Matt, I like the heavy stuff. I often go to the heaviest stuff I could find in a river. It washes everything away. It, it, um, it definitely provides just that soundscape. It's just, <laughs> you don't hear much of anything else except the water and mm-hmm. you feel it around you and you have to kind of pay attention. Um, when I was in college, I uh, worked on, on a construction crew and we would do, uh, I don't know, like we replaced soffit and fascia and stuff that was, that was three stories up sometimes. And we were, this, <laughs> this is kind of before all the like tying yourself in and whatever. We were a little dangerous up there. <laughs> you know, in. seriously, we were up, you know, on just a little plank and just a little, just a little walkway, you know, between ladders <laughs> yeah. and you, boy, you had to pay attention, you know, because one bad step and you were, well, you could die. Well, in this case, I'm saying like in somebody's, in some of our favorite waters, like we're talking about with some heavy water, you have to really think about what you're doing. You kind of have to stay on, on task, right? You can't really oh, yeah. eh, just kind of wade where, no, you're not going to wade just where you want. You're not going to die. You know, if you take a misstep, but you're falling in and going to change your day, you got to go back to the car, whatever, you know, you don't want to fall in. You can't really go on autopilot. You kind of have to continue to think about what you're doing. I love that. It, it can, it's a great challenge. And because of that, Dom, even if you have, in each one of our favorite rivers, you know, consists of water like that, you can pretty much assure that even during a busy day, right, that piece of water is probably the least likely that got fished That's because fair. it takes more, Great you know, it, yeah. it takes more effort. It ta- it's more complicated. It's not the easy place to fish, yeah, right? Yes. And so that's why I feel like we tend to like that as mm. a group, right? Our, we, mm. we tend to flock to that because it isn't the easiest no. place to go to. My boss in Montana, Matt, he used to call it a, <laughs> 
young man's water or young man's river. Nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I always love. It's true. Yeah. Well, that's that's why I like waiting too. Hmm. Even in yep. preparation for this podcast, I was thinking about, let's talk about waiting and why we like to wait and whatnot. Now we've done a full podcast on kind of waiting tips, waiting skills. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, let's just talk about the rivers. But it goes to that. My favorite rivers, my favorite experience in a river is one where I wade. And this one, yeah. this one that we're all talking about here so much too, but right back here. Hmm. You're not floating. Nobody floats it. You know, nobody floats that river. Because right. you can't. The, the, even though it'll get bigger sometimes with heavier flows, there's there's so many islands and braids that make that, that that break it up. You can't you can't even float a flycraft through there very well. Sure. Waiting, man. You know, it puts you in I'm with you the on river. That, man. Yep. Me too. Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the Trout Bitten crew has a case of New Trail Broken Heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is a keeper. New Trail Beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well fished with New Trail Broken Heels. It's Trout Bitten's favorite beer. To tie the best flies, you need the best materials. With decades of commercial fly tying experience, Fooling Mill understands what it takes to tie a great fly. Over the past several years, they've worked hard to source and prepare a range of fly tying materials that will elevate your experience at the vise. Fooling Mill fly tying materials have arrived with a range of over 1,400 products. You'll find the staples like marabou, bucktail, and rabbit sonker strips. You'll also find CDC, stripped peacock quills, 12 dubbing ranges, synthetics, chenilles, yarns, and wools. All fooling mill materials come in an extensive range of colors that are consistently dyed. So what you receive from them tomorrow will be the same color next year. Their materials go through a rigorous quality control process. So before they're packaged and shipped out, you can be sure they're up to the highest quality standards. Ask for Fooling Mill fly tying materials at your local dealer or find them online at foolingmill.com. I've got lots of experiences out here on a boat and oh, yeah. some of them are great fun. and some of yeah. them are fun and it's different fun. Uh, but I wouldn't say, I would say the majority of those rivers outside of one, yeah, um, they're not my favorite, you yeah. know, I, I fish them, but yeah, the one I really love, you know, I can wait it most of the year and Sure, I can float it when it's runoff, um, yeah. but boots on the ground, right? I know, right? That's where it's at. Those are all my favorite rivers. All of my favorite rivers, thinking about this as we were approaching this topic, are weightable rivers. Some of them, when they're high, just a couple of them, when they're high, you know, you, you, you can float through there. But almost all of my favorite days, my most memorable days, the ones I've written stories about and things, they're... It's about waiting. Boots on the ground, like you say. You're part of the environment. You're in it. You're not floating over top of it. I like that. Again, not that there's anything wrong with floating, but it's it's fun in its own way. But man, being in it. I like the story you wrote on waiting called We Wade. That's always yeah. been one of my favorites. And I remember yeah. when you wrote that, it was after we'd fished right. this river that we're talking about when it was probably, eh, it was about double it. Normal. For normal. The time of year. Yeah. And yep. It was like, a bit of a, there was some 
comedy mixed throughout as <laughs> we were trying, <laughs> yeah. I think you were watching me try to get to the bank, the far bank water yeah. that I was just dead set on getting to that was just about over my waders and was pushing pretty hard. <laughs> and I was that can be I seen hooked, on the cover, right? Yeah. yeah. You can you can see a distant picture of it. And I, <laughs> I hooked into a nice fish on the other side and then fell in a couple times trying to land it. <laughs> um it was it was pretty pretty hilarious. So it the the story is far more graceful than the exhibition I put on that day. <laughs> the, the exhibition. exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, I live I love that stuff. Like I love I, know. I, I would rather fish and fall in than never fish mm-hmm. that bank, that far yeah. bank, even if it's pushing it, you know. Yeah. I hope to be fishing young man's water even when I'm 80 years old. That's yeah. right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do it right. That's right. Absolutely. Like One other thing I really like, a diverse river. I really like diverse rivers in the sense yeah. that um, diversity as far as fishing seasons go. You need, yeah, yeah. you know, I need a river that will fish year round, uh, provide an opportunity to fish year round. And also with the bugs, yeah. um, you know, and I like to mix it in and who doesn't like to throw a dry fly, right? right like on. I, I need that opportunity to, to switch it up and change it. And, 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 and our favorite rivers have pretty darn reliable hatches, right? Yeah, so yeah. where you want to mix it up, yeah. you know, you can go in the evening and fish over a spinnerfall, or you can arrive during the day at the beginning of the hatch when the mayflies yeah. are hatching, you know, all those things really create that favorite river, uh, description for me as well as all the other things we, we listed before. There's a complexity there, you know, it's, it's not just go there and throw a mop fly and it's going to catch fish. It's not just throw a woolly bugger or an Adams or whatever, an elk hair caddis and it'll catch fish every time. No, there is a complexity. There is a mystery. Like you said, Trevor, there's a puzzle to figure out that, Mm -hmm. that complexity, same as you, Matt, that's what I, tend to go to the most, go back to over and over. I've made life decisions around these rivers. Mm-hmm. The one that's right down the hill from me, I, I live here on purpose. I lived on the other side of the valley, and now I live on this side of the valley <laughs> because of that river, because I can literally walk to it and learn from it like every day if I want to. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted when I was a kid, and now I have it. Mm. Amazing. That's cool. That's a cool point, Dom. You know, we're fortunate to live where we live. And I've been out here almost 10 years now. And one of my closer rivers maybe wasn't as one of my favorites at Mm. the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would bypass it to go to my favorite river huh. out here. Really? And and over the course of the last five or six years, because of different priorities and whatnot, that close yeah. access- You start having kids. Has created that, <laughs> I got a favorite yeah. river. I'm I like, and, and it's very close to the other one. So I got two, you know, and you mm-hmm. can say like, look, you know, they're world famous rivers. Sure they are. And, and yeah. I always joke with people and you could joke with people about your rivers there. Yeah. They're wor- world famous for a- reason yeah <laughs> right like i get that clicker i sent you the other day right on the yeah on, right <laughs> yeah that's shoulder season stuff though right that you guys can fish. experience stuff like yeah. that in the shoulder seasons yeah i'm not getting that on foot in july right right but because i experience it in the shoulder seasons you know it's like wow 
you know, you understand why this river is as famous as it is. Mm-hmm. And that's no different than the rivers by your place, right? That They might yeah. be tougher to catch fish come May, you know, but now you guys are out there and boy, they really show you what they're made of, hmm. you know? And, and anyway, that, like I said, that local access uh, is funny because it kind of w- wore on me. And I'm like, yeah, I like this river. Yeah. <laughs> Often I yeah. think our favorite river is our home water, the one that we're closest to. And again, the yeah. one that's just right down, uh, right down the hill from me. That is my favorite water sure. in many ways. And if I have the time, if I have the full day, I'm going to where the one that we've been talking about the most. Absolutely. Right that's where I'm going, almost without a question. Yep. <laughs> we're so fortunate that we have a couple other just limestone streams that are absolutely the same quality, full of wild trout, slightly different experiences, but that home water, that one that's right there, I mean, that has become my training ground. And and it's changed. It's it's changed over the years. I'm a little pissed at it right now. <laughs> it's it's not the same as it was a few years ago. We've talked on this podcast about maybe why. We don't necessarily have answers, but it's a little it's changed. It's just different. Maybe maybe I'll meet somebody who goes, Oh, hey, I got it. Hey, it's this, 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 and that. And that angler will have a formula that that I just don't have right now. But <laughs> You know, I love it. It's a new mystery. It has changed. And so anyway, it's, it's those home waters. The only way I know it has changed, I can absolutely tell you it has changed. Because I I spend just one hour long trips on that. Sometimes I won't put my waders on and I'll fish from the bank. And I spend many, whatever, two and three hour trips on it and then full days too. But some of these short trips just <laughs> are more confirmation. Like, yeah, this is different. Mm. It's that ability to fish that home water because it's right there on your way home from work or on your way to right get on. the groceries or whatever. Yeah. You learn it inside and out. And th- that's a big reward. It's and especially to see it change. Again, there's a new mystery right here. And, um, you know, I'm working on it. I, I think I kind of have some ideas and, and some things that are, I think I know what's changing and, and how to adapt. It's cool. That that home water though, I think so often, like you're saying, Matt, becomes it becomes one you have of your favorites. A fickle, a fickle yeah. relationship, right? Yeah. Because you yeah, know yeah. it so nice. darn well. You can get <laughs> you can get pissed at it. And I've yeah. Been, yeah, I've you know gone through there. that. I've yeah. been there. I've been there. And then some something usually the shoulder season fishing for me always brings it back to a mm. like, all right, I can I can accept <laughs> and share this river right because you almost have because it's right down the street from me or over the hill from you yeah we tend to protect it or want to own define it. shoulder season just you know for me well for us i think we might have a more prominent a little bit more of a prominent shoulder season because of the tourist piece the right? out of season like the, not not, pr- yeah. not peak season what people not think correct. of as what peak. lies our on peak season Right, right Trevor. On. Think of our peak yep. season as your April through end of May, right? Yeah. That that's all yeah. summer for us, yep. for the most yep. part. And so, Dom, you've alluded. You didn't yeah. necessarily say why the river's declining, but I find that during the heat of the season, with all the pressure, mm. the fishing tends to get harder, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just the way it is. There's more people. There's more fly fish are getting yep. caught. Where Trevor, where I'm saying, you know off the shoulder season 
where you get that river rested a little bit. It's just totally. fish is different, and it's totally. back to like, oh man, you know, back it, to itself. But it, it feels like it's back to itself, and I, yeah. you know, and Dom, I haven't been up there for a long time, but we used to have those. I mean, the river we're talking about, mm-hmm. man. I some of those best memories I have of that river in winter. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, isn't that interesting though, Matt? When clients get in touch with me, they often say, "Okay, I want to come in the best times." Like, well, that might not be May, huh? <laughs> sure. Know? Right on. Sometimes they're waiting for the hatch. You know, yeah. it might not be April or June because they have so much food to eat. That sure, might not yeah. be your best time. And these right. shoulder seasons, as you're calling them, I am in full agreement with that. Those are actually my most predictable times, and it's right now. Yeah. It's it's often the times that they are outside of what people think of as peak. Not only much less angler pressure, but really less bug activity. So there's less mm-hmm. for them to eat. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't they eat your fly? Sure. <laughs> better it's, better today than than in in April or May. I'll tell you, I mean, it's less comfortable. There's no question about that. Yeah. And that alone people don't like that. And that's okay. Like yeah. I don't want you to come out necessarily, but yep. um you know, and and that's okay if you don't care, and and Dom, to your point, you want to hit the bug hatch. That's going to coincide most times with the nicest weather, yeah. In the sense of warmth, right? And all the the water temperature yeah. rises, well, so do the bugs, right? But to me, to you, give me the give me the gloomy days and the you know <clears throat> ugly oh, yeah. days, right? And 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 the cold, and and that brings out my favorite river usually. At its best. Yeah. Along those same lines. I mean, many of my favorite rivers do have that full full 365 ability to fish them around here. Not all of them, though. Trevor, you Sure. I thought you had something smart, Trevor. I know. I was thinking. You were on the the cusp. (laughs) I was. I think, I just think it's an interesting point that within, within our favorite waters, there's just like, there's times where it, just like uh, any relationship with a person or a friend. Hmm. There's just periods of time in which you get really close with one person for a particular reason, you know, whether it's because work's taking you out this way for a while and you're stopping by that river or there, you know, the weather's been like this lately and that all of a sudden turned this waterway that's usually a foot too deep for me or whatever. Now it's perfect or, you know, there's just like these interesting nuances to why we sort of attach ourselves to different waterways. Hmm. And I think, as much as certain ones, like you mentioned earlier, Dom, your home waterway may be yours for life. There's also, I think, ones that will always play roles in different seasons of our life. Yeah. Speaking of seasons, I like that. Um, there was times when I was living in North Carolina that I'd fish a lot of uh, waters that did not have a good population of trout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of grew on me, the fact that the rarity or the scarcity of a trout. Nice. Um, you had a good attitude, buddy. Good job. Good attitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and oftentimes it was the reward of a larger trout. You know, we mm-hmm. haven't said this yet, but we also like rivers that have large trout in them, sure. or at least the chance to catch one. And the uh, the kind of the lure or the, the, the challenge, the mystery of finding trout in waters that seemingly may not have any uh, was yeah. something I loved. Yeah. It's neat to find some, like those non-traditional reasons to love water. And I think that, I mean, sometimes it just <laughs> yeah. forces you to it's just hard expand yourself a little bit as an angler, right? And as a person. Well, non-traditional, let's say. One of the lousiest pieces of water that I fish 
on a regular basis. I do it at least <laughs> twice a year. I take my boys up and we fish it just because it, I have that history on it. Um, yeah. It's a small tributary to one of the main waters just north of here. And I grew up, literally grew up, fell in love with trout fishing when we were camping with my uncle who bought a pop-up camper. And we would fish the stocked stretch of that river. And we were camping only, oh, 80 yards away, away from the river. So we'd fish right behind there and then go up and then it splits. And right where it splits, it's actually what Pennsylvania Fish Commission uh, defines as a wilderness trout stream. If you continue to follow it up, it goes through a really wild valley without road access. And I think PA needs to have at least a class C uh, wild trout population in there mm-hmm. for them to also designate it a wilderness trout stream. And well, when I was a kid, I don't even think they had those designations. But I, I remember going up there with my uncle. This is way beyond then where they would stock it. They kind of stopped stocking it about a mile below where that split is. And, and my uncle and I would just keep fishing up. And sometimes we'd take, take his truck and go across, if the water was low enough, we'd go across the river. And we'd drive up a little bit. It wasn't a river, it was a creek. You know, we'd go across that creek and drive up a little bit into areas that he hunted. And then we would fish this. Again, it's only 20, maybe 30 feet wide at the most. We'd get up in there. We just did not catch that many fish. And back then, we kept almost everything we caught, too. Most of them were still stockies that would swim up there, but we'd catch some wild browns. And I remember mm-hmm. some of the wild browns were like, well, we can't keep that one. It's not big enough, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that's, so I still go back there. It's kind of a lousy trout stream. I mean, <laughs> it's gorgeous. That's funny. So it's not even fair yeah, and to you're call too it good wild. for it. That's right. I'm an elitist. <laughs> I got to have perfect conditions or else it's not that's good. That's right. Nah, you know what I'm saying? It's, um, it's it's lousy in the fish catching, right? And half of what <laughs> more than half of what you catch is stocked from way down below. And the wild trout population is either cropped from people keeping them or they, I don't know, maybe the conditions just aren't right. Um, you don't catch that many nice fish, right? Never blame the fish. Never. Maybe it's my fault. <laughs> maybe there are really big ones in there. Got to get Deli in here. He'll catch them. Um, <laughs> yeah. You get it. It's the history. It's right. the history yeah. that I fish yeah. it for. And I've, brought, I've taken my boys up, up into there. We do it twice a year. And I will always do it. As long as I live, I'll go up into that valley. And that's one of my favorite rivers. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting, Dom. You, you probably get the, like I said, you're getting all these emotions. Yeah. And it's not the catching. No. I mean, and, and, and that's like, you know, that that's a pretty special place and you can find, uh, favoritism in something like that. And you're, and it's all, it has nothing to do with the trout population, right? No. But something's getting you back there and you're, you're sharing it with your kids and who knows what your kids are going to do. Yeah. You know, take their kids back to the shitty stream dad <laughs> used to take me to. Yeah. Hey, you think about it, it's pretty cool, right? Dude, it is. Yeah. And, and so again, my uncle had bought that pop-up camper and almost every year when I, I always park right where we used to camp and I almost always take a picture and I send it to my uncle Brian and I go, I'm back again. And I yep. said, you know, I send him the picture and he's like, yeah, there you go. I remember this, remember that? Yep. Mm-hmm. And you can't see the fire ring anymore, but 10 years ago you could, 10 years ago you could see the little fire ring. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's gone now. It's, you know, under the leaves and whatnot. That is it. That's that's a good reason 
to go back and whatever it it's it, it's a special place you know sure Precision Fly and Tackle is a family-owned business with a passion for the outdoors and a sense of adventure. They are anglers who enjoy every moment spent on the water with family and friends. Precision Fly and Tackle carries the widest selection of Euro rods, reels, lines, leaders, flies, and accessories. From the beginner to the advanced angler, Precision Fly and Tackle can outfit every angler, no matter the budget. Visit them online at precisionflyandtackle.com. Then use code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your order. Gear up with Precision Fly and Tackle for your next adventure. It's interesting trying to layer, like peel back the layers of our favorite trout streams. And it probably, Mm -hmm. it's cool to listen to this because you don't, you take it for granted. And look, we all love to catch trout, right? Most of our favorite rivers are full of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's right. But they're not, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not everything, right? And uh, those favorite trout waters that are full of trout usually have just as memory, just as many memories with them as, as the numbers of trout per mile to yeah. make them special. Mm. Uh, Austin, you know, uh, yeah, that upper part, that's, yep. that is my favorite stretch right on. It's my favorite stretch of water that's a uh, small stream. And uh, we did a full podcast on what we love about small stream waters. We talked about that a bit. It remains one of my favorite pieces of water. And I've sent a couple other people there. And that's the same uh, type of water as the one I just described, except there's a mm-hmm. lot more trout in it, you know? Yeah, that's what it made me think of, actually. Uh, I've, I've kind of mentioned this before in previous podcasts, but there was a time when I was in college and... Uh, worked at a fly shop and I felt overexposed to the sport yeah. and to maybe the the people or the culture and uh, started to get a little burnout. Mm-hmm. And I remember even saying to Dom, like something along the lines, like fly, fly fishing is annoying or something. He said, fly fishing is not annoying. The people who fly fish are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Sometimes. So you sent me a pin uh, up north in, into the country yeah. and said, go up here, spend a day, clear your head. And I did that. And, uh, yeah, I still remember that. More than the fishing. Right. Hmm. It's still there. You should make a sticker that says that fly fishing doesn't suck. People suck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's coming. We're going to get Josh on that design. That's, That's probably more accurate, you know. That's <laughs> pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Austin, that place is still there. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it's there. That's That's the coolest thing about these places. It could go through a factory. You know the trip to, you know, my home water that goes right through the factory, an old factory, right? Mm-hmm. Now there's mm-hmm. different businesses and stuff there. That is one of the coolest. I don't know that it's one of my favorite pieces of water, but it's one of the coolest pieces of water around here. And yeah. we've all fished it. Matt, I know you have too, right? Yep. Yeah, limited, but yes, I fished it. It's one of the most unique experiences that you'll ever have. Beautiful water. It is. Imagine it without the factory on, oh your, on your left yeah, side. And the debris. And the, yeah, and all the stuff in there. Yeah, there's a lot of debris. There's like yeah. wires and right. uh, pipes and, and yeah. of course, rocks and whatnot. There's all kind of like almost industrial waste, let's say, mm-hmm. in there. And there you got to fish around it. And then you go, ooh, nice trout, you know? <laughs> it's, But again, it's real close to here. And it's one of the coolest places... I wouldn't want to be without it. You know, yeah. it's 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 unique. Again, we're real blessed right here to have all of these fancy waters, right? These world-class trout streams. People come from all over the world to fish them. 
And nobody fishes that one I just talked about. Almost nobody, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have that. Yeah. That's that local knowledge. We go, well, hey, well, wow, there's a car or two in every parking spot. I'm going up to that branch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fish that because nobody will be. And then they aren't. They are not. They are not there. And that's that's ours too. You know, yeah. and that becomes your favorite. Right. And you start fishing seasonal that favorite. After that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> seasonal favorite. That's very true. I have seasonal favorites. Mm-hmm. Coincides with the heat of the summer. And that's when I find mm-hmm. myself into the into the blue lines and and wet wading and dry fly fishing. But at that for that six weeks or seven weeks, I have a few favorite, right? I got two or three favorite streams that are only really they only uh fish well for six, seven weeks a year. They're either too cold, high, wow. snow melt. And and that's my favorite. You know, I'll be like, well, I got these two favorites. I'm going to move on and give my, my home waters a rest. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. The only way you find that kind of thing is really by fishing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whatever, we, we all have people ask us, you know, how to find it. Hey, how do I find that next water? Maybe people are even thinking that right now as they're listening. Like, oh, man, yeah. I wish... But you just got to fish. You got to go out. You got to find those places and fish upstream of where the special regs, who cares about the special regulations right areas? You know, get outside of that. Boundaries. Go fish it. Of course, everybody's going to kind of start in that same spot. Everybody's going to fish the the main access areas. Of course, that, that makes sense. Go ahead. And then branch out, find them. And you, you yeah, you find those new favorites. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, you might you might find your new favorite water. Yeah. Going back to the one that we've hit on uh, yeah. quite a bit tonight. Yeah. I thankfully live with about 15 minutes of it. Yeah. And one of the characteristics of that stream and, and other streams that I like that share it are distances between accesses. Mm-hmm. Um, other smaller streams or uh, streams that are paralleled by a road often have accesses along it very, very often, you know, a quarter mile down the road, there's another sure. pull off. Yep. But when you can get to a place where it's two miles between the parking space, mm-hmm. And you can stick yourself right between those two miles, even though there might be a, a peak hatch or, you know, a, a prime season to be there, there's still the chance to get your own solitude for at least mm-hmm. a good part of the day. Yeah. That's a big deal. You go back to the solitude. It's all yours. Yeah. Yep. Hey, anything else, guys? What do you have? What do we miss? So I would just say, oftentimes our favorite rivers are easily the places that we catch the most fish out of. Uh, or it's or it's a numbers thing, or it's solely based on success in the net. Mm. But I just would like to end with the fact that it's not always about that as much we've talked about it tonight. It's about the people we've shared it with, um, the people who have um, enjoyed it before us, and the people who enjoy it long after us that makes it so special and important to us as well. So if if you're always hunting after numbers and sometimes that doesn't satisfy, look for other ways to enjoy the place. Yeah, buddy. Right back to that history, right where we started. Yeah, for sure. Get out and find your favorite waters. Right on. All right, there it is. So our favorite waters range from stunningly scenic mountain tributaries that guarantee solitude and willing trout to a simple average piece of water that runs behind a strip mall. Rivers can become favorites just because they're close enough to fish more often. Or maybe it's the memories. Maybe it's what we've learned from challenging rivers, marginal water, hard to wade, or skinny flat water that's full of spooky trout. Every trout water out there is someone's favorite for a thousand different reasons. 
And we quickly learned that all trout rivers are good. Once you step in, feel cold water pushing past, and sink into the moment. Thanks for listening, everyone. Dr. Trevor Smith, will you read us out? I will. The doctor is in. That's right. Remember, the Trout Bitten Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout Bitten website hosts over 1,000 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel, now featuring the Trout Bitten Tip series, the Fish and Film series, and the Trout Bitten Flybox, all in collaborations with Wilds Media. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a comment because it really helps. Till next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. We were a little dangerous up there. The story is far more graceful than the exhibition I put on that day. He? No. Yeah, I like this river. They Okay, I want to come in the best times. Well, that might not be May, huh? Bill Dell tested positive. He's lonely. <laughs> <laughs>